meditations. So if you feel like you can't meditate, one, you're not alone. Two, yes, you can. And three, meditation isn't about clearing the mind completely blank. You know, oh, wow, they must be thinking about nothing for an hour. Right. No, they're definitely, their mind is swinging around. It, like It's usually described as a monkey from branch to branch, just swing to swing to swing to, from thought to thought to thought. Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected, and it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our god, our body, and I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection, so the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we, we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Today I have a really special treat, someone that is very international, has a very fascinating podcast. And let me just go ahead and introduce her and let's get into the show. Lily Allen Duenas is a, an international yoga teacher, meditation guide, and holistic health and wellness coach. She helps overwhelmed individuals reduce their emotional overload and find balance, breath, and space for self-care. Lily is the founder of the Wild Yoga Tribe and is the host of the Wild Yoga Tribe podcast. She has taught yoga classes and wellness workshops all over the world. Her journey has led her to a life of flexibility, fluidity, and has fostered a vast reservoir of compassion, curiosity, and creativity. She endeavors to guide others on their path to a loving, to living a life centered on wholehearted well-being. So pleased to have you. Welcome, Lily. Thank you so much, Karen. It's a joy to be with you. Yes, thank you. So the very first thing I want to ask you about is um, part of your uh, website says that the Wild Yoga Tribe is for the adventurous yogi, the worldwide traveler, and all students and teachers on the path of wellness and wholeness. But the part that really grabbed me was the worldwide traveler, because as someone, so I take people on trips, safaris, and different international uh, trips. And so that part really grabbed me. It's like the worldwide traveler. And I want to get into your history in a minute. But first, I'm curious, can you speak to that just for a minute? How is it for the worldwide traveler? Yeah. So uh, my community is called the Wild Yoga Tribe, and the podcast is called the Wild Yoga Tribe Podcast. So each week I interview one yoga teacher from a different country around the world. So, so far, 80 yoga teachers, 80 conversations, 80 countries. And so I love that it's just very international based in terms of the community. And so then also, of course, shining this light on this global yoga ecosystem kind of keeps things interesting for the travelers, the worldwide travelers. If you wanted to go on a yoga retreat in Guatemala, it, listening to the yoga in Guatemala episode would be amazing for you because you'd get a good glimpse in what yoga is like in the country kind of the philosophy methodology methodology behind it, 
as well as there is a huge focus on the podcast on what is the country like? You know, what is there to do there? What's the culture and customs like? What would it be like if you went there? So I think that's beautiful. And of course, one of my huge missions here in 2023 is I'm feeling so called to lead international retreats and to have people connect with the people that I have met on my path and my journey and just building those connections. And so if you're interested in travel, it's a great source for information. Mm -hmm. Also, the community itself, you know, online and in all the spaces that I've created, they're international. So if you have questions, if you are wanting to plan something, these are just down to earth, good humans who are happy to kind of give you some tips or tricks or help even meet you in this country and, you know, help guide you to whatever you're looking for. So it's just very, you know, empathetic, compassionate, but travel focused for sure, because we're always going around the world, whether it's on right. the podcast or me traveling to different countries to teach different things or hopefully here in the future soon, organizing more of these international destination type retreats. Is there a difference in the styles of yoga, you know, from one country to the next? It's a, a wonderful question because yes and no, because there is this root of yoga that goes back thousands of years and, you know, honoring that and having that kind of imbued in, in all the practices around the world. Like there's some of that, those threads that are similar. But when it comes to truly are the are the yoga classes identical or are the energies in there or are the philosophies? No. And I usually say that if you go to, let's just say you go to one yoga class one time, maybe it's in New York, maybe it's in uh, Paris, who knows, but you go to one class one time and you go, oh, I don't like yoga. For me, that's like walking into a grocery store and eat and you never tried any fruit before in your life and you just try one banana and you say, oh, I don't like any fruit. Right. Like, oh, man, that that blueberry tastes so different from that banana. And it's true in the yogic tradition, okay. because while yoga, the overarching name of yoga, that tradition is is there. There's Hasa yoga, Vinyasa yoga, Iyengar yoga, hot yoga, um, Anasura yoga. Like there's just all of these branches and they all are different. And then on top of that, what it, who a teacher is what their personality is like and what their energy is calling them to transmit and translate, that's so different. So every teacher teaches differently. Um, every style of yoga is different. And I do think every yoga in every country also has to change and adapt and shift a little to be respectful of that culture's customs or of the religious practices or what the community is calling for. I yeah. just, I think it's fascinating and yeah. It's amazing. And yes, it definitely is different, but also there's honoring. So there's the same right. thread that goes right. through. That's fantastic. And I didn't mean to get so deep so fast, but I, it's fascinating to me. But let's start back at the beginning a little bit. Um, what was your first step into this whole foray of the, you know, mindfulness or yoga spirituality? What um, Tell us a little bit about your story. So I grew up in California and my parents um, weren't Buddhists. They, you know, they weren't, didn't do yoga. It wasn't anything like that. But I actually started meditating when I was about 10 or 11 years old. There was a YMCA um, summer camp actually located where my grandma lives in Iowa. <laughs> and so there's this summer camp that I went to and they offered morning meditation classes um, when I was young. And I went back year after year to camp and they never offered it again. But that one year they did. and. Um, I immediately connected with it. I could just feel, Karen, how much I was supposed 
to do this, like how I just could connect to it. And my mind always felt so busy, even as a little little child. I felt like my mind was moving in a million directions. I like to call it spaghetti brain when yeah. everything's all this yeah. always messy and connecting, though. And it all makes sense, but kind of still a mess in there sometimes. So I felt like yoga was or meditation. I could just connect with and feel like, OK, it's helping me untangle that and then drop out of that into something more quiet and I don't I didn't really know how to explain it back then but that's when I started I had my my dad order or I think we went to the store but I know he for sure on eBay ordered me a couple meditation books this is before Amazon everyone before smartphones (laughs) you know before all that and I didn't have YouTube I didn't have any resources I at this time we'd just gotten like a Windows 97 big old computer and yeah um there wasn't a way really to even figure out what is meditation and what could that look like and how do I learn it? And so I just tried to learn, learn from some books. And then when I was 16, I came to yoga when um, a soccer teammate asked me, oh, there's this new thing at the gym. Do you want to try it? It's called yoga. We were both like, what on earth is yoga? We've never heard of it. Again, we weren't really Googling it. We weren't YouTubing it. Like we were just like, oh, what is that? Let's try it. Uh, and so then I immediately again, you know, a couple minutes into the practice, just felt, uh, mm. oh, it felt like I was remembering something I'd forgotten. Mm. And so then I, you know, went about my life and kept practicing and I found studios and teachers and different spaces. And in university, I got into practicing five times a week and started teaching in the summer here and there a little bit. And then I became a certified yoga teacher, though, once I hit burnout after seven years of marketing management, I was just so burned out. And unfulfilled and I knew I was supposed to help others on their path of wellness and wholeness. Yeah, that's fantastic. And starting at so young at the YMCA, and I mean, I think that would be really good feedback because look at you now, a real testimony to childhood programs for meditation. So that's, I love that. So what would you say is the point of yoga? Why, um, Why do it? Why teach it? I love it. I love that. Um, Because the point of yoga, I feel like is, well, we can go back to the sutras and we can go back to like the ancient texts. And the word yoga means to yoke. So union, bringing things together. And that's often translated here as the mind, the body and the spirit bringing these together. But in yoga tradition, it actually goes a little bit farther saying it's uniting the individual soul with the divine or with the consciousness so you know this ultimate consciousness so merging the individual with this larger divine or universal source or whatever word anyone feels comfortable with you're welcome to use it but that is just um, the union of that and the point of the physical yoga practice because when people think of yoga they think of warrior two and people bending so mm-hmm. yoga actually isn't that it has eight light branches eight limbs meditation is a part of yoga pranayama which is breath breath work, the, the control of the energy moving through your body, through the breath, the channels, that's part of it. Concentration is part of it, self-study. So there's all these branches of yoga that people don't think, oh, studying myself, like reflection and time in mm. silence, that's yoga. Absolutely. That is 100% yoga. That is a huge dimension of it. So this physical yoga practice, asana that we practice, the purpose of that is to sit longer in meditation. That's why it was kind of formulated by, you know, the 
the gurus and the sages and the rishis back in the, you know, thousands of years ago was so that the body could not be so stiff. So you could sit in meditation to hopefully reach samadhi or reach enlightenment and break yourself free of suffering and, and all that. So, but I think in the kind of modern world, when thousands and thousands and millions of people are practicing yoga all around the world, what's the purpose of yoga? What's the point? If your point is to reach enlightenment, that's beautiful. And I celebrate that. But if your point is to sleep better at night, if your point is to find a community, if your point is to become a little less stiff in your body, relieve your back pain, that's wonderful. These are all great and valid points. And I think that your, your meaning, why you practice, also can change. It will change. It's, it absolutely will. You know, when you come to the practice, maybe you're looking for an exercise. And then you're looking for a way to calm down. And then you're looking for a way for community. You know, it just will grow and evolve. So I love that why you practice will change. And I think that it usually grows and transforms in a way that is so beautiful. It's like flowering, right? Like this bud just slowly comes up. (laughs) Yeah, that's beautiful. I never realized the physical part was to enhance being able to meditate. So would it would it help if someone's not flexible? Well, yeah, it's it's a very common. I think every yoga teacher I interview practically, they says they always will say that everyone says I can't do yoga because I'm not flexible. That's like the number one reason people don't want to do it. But why we practice yoga, um, you you will gain physical flexibility. But also you'll gain this mental flexibility and this emotional flexibility. So I think that. I love the word flexibility, but I love it in the context of not the physical body. But it is true that, let's say, if you're trying to sit cross-legged in meditation for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour, you know, your legs will start to really hurt you. Your lower back might hurt. Your ankles might feel sore. Your spine might start to scream at you. Whatever it's going to happen, it's usually a little uncomfortable for people. And even if, I mean, I've done yoga for half of my life, over half, and I still find it hard to sit perfectly in perfect meditation position for one hour that's like oh that's hard you know I my body usually around half hour 45 minutes is like please move so it's okay I'm it's always a journey and uh it will your body will slowly soften and release and it's so often not about flexibility in the term of how you think of it also like oh I can't touch my toes Oh, I can't get my feet behind my head. I can't get my feet behind my head either. Fine. <laughs> no worries, everyone. You do not have to do that. Um, but with this flexibility of not touching your toes, that's okay. You know, we're, it is a lot of it mental too. You maybe mm. feel like you are stiff and maybe you are stiff also in kind of your perception of your body. You feel like I can't do it. But then you find that through slow breath work, maybe slow uh, yin practice too, or really stretching those connective tissues around the joints. And maybe with more of that practice of, of breathing and dropping into the body, you will find more space for flexibility, which is not, of course, the goal of it. But the goal is to sit in meditative practice longer. So to make the body more comfortable for it. So I hesitate to say the point is to make the body more flexible. I think it's right. to make the mind and the emotions more flexible right. and the body will just kind of open slowly like a flower. Yeah. 
And you mentioned about sitting in meditation for an hour, sitting still. Is it important to sit still and to not move? Yes and no. Um, so whenever the body starts to get, um, we'll say, starts to scream at you or it'll start to whisper at you that there's discomfort, that is a huge distraction from the breath or your uh, singular point of focus. Gotcha. Also moving, usually you can't just, um, you know, shift from one slight uh, glute to the other glute and that will fix everything. Usually you have to completely unwind your legs, right. take a minute and then wind back. So you have kind of broken your concentration. You've broken that singular point of focus. So the longer that you can stay, it's usually the deeper you can go in meditation. So I've done a few of the pasanas, and a vipassana yeah. is a 10-day silent meditation retreat. And it's usually under the SN Goenka tradition, who's kind of the father of vipassana. And he passed away in 1990, 1991. But there are these vipassana centers that are open all around the world. And they are amazing centers for meditation. And they're also donation-based. You don't have to pay $5,000 to go meditate. Right. And, and you get housing and you get meals. You don't have to pay for that. That That is a donation. Whatever you can pay, you offer that so that the next person can come after you. It's a wonderful institution. And if anyone wants to find links or know more, please send me a message. Reach out to me at Wild Yoga Tribe anywhere you are. I'm there too. So um, I, I'm happy to talk about that more, Karen, but I'm not sure if that's the direction you want to yeah. take. Well, the Vipassana, I know several people that have gone on retreat and I've always found it very interesting and I've always kind of wanted to go, but it does kind of scare me because I think sitting for how many hours a day and of course the silent part of it, the whole thing is appealing and on the other hand, a little frightening, although everyone says it's an experience like no other. So something I should look into sometime. Yeah, but I think you're also right to be a little intimidated by it because the imagining 10 hours of meditation a day for 10 days, so that's 100 hours of meditation, it's you, you can't walk, you can't do yoga, you can't run, you can't speak, you can't make eye contact, you wake up at 4, you start meditating 4.30 to 6.30, your first meal is 6.30, and then you get a, a little gap to brush your teeth and shower and eat. So we'll say you start meditating again at 8 a.m., meditate till 1130, and then you, you have to stop eating food by noon. So oh, anyway, okay. it's just that you're only two meals of the whole day, two meals, and then you're done eating, continuing meditation until about 10 p.m., and then repeat. So it's, it is a very intense process. And while it is an experience like no other, it is kind of like a crucible or a pressure cooker, you know, like you... It's a lot. It is a lot and a lot happens. A lot goes on. But it also is an amazing way to kind of cook things fast. You know, if you really look into to know your mind better, your, your habits, your mental formations, uh, your patterns. And what are you grasping for when you're uncomfortable? What are you pushing away? And you really learn so much about your, your habits and patterns. And while people can say, yeah, and you get better at meditating faster. Sure, you know, you with a hundred hours, that sure adds up a lot more practice, right? Um, but just the what you gain with self understanding is incredible. Yeah, I, 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 I bet it is. Part of me. Well, I'm going to ask this question later. But um, what what do you say to the people that say they can't meditate? 
Yeah. Um, I usually say if you can breathe, you can meditate. And someone's mind, so often people will tell me, I can't meditate. My mind moves too quickly. I can't focus. Like, great. Yeah. My, me neither. <laughs> me neither. We all can't do that. And I've had conversations with monks uh, when I've stayed in monasteries or they've given Dharma talks and we'll say they're 50 years old and they came to the monastery when they're 10. So they've been meditating every day diligently with wonderful and incredible discipline for 40 years. And they're, they still say it's hard for their mind to focus. Yeah. It's dependent on your, your energy, the way your mind works. And today, unfortunately, in our contemporary society, we're still so, so stimulated. Our attention span has reduced. Scientists have made this evident and clear. We used to have, I think, an attention span of 15 seconds in the 2000s, and now we're down to eight seconds or wow. something. We are no longer able to focus. And so our mind, when we say, okay, just sit here and focus on the breath, it thinks that's boring. That's not enough. Where's my TV? Where's my movie? Where's my right. flashing lights and primary colors and all these things that get me stimulated and, and tapping into different you know, endorphins? And it's so falling in love with your breath and like starting to really observe it like you would a newborn baby. Like there's different ways that you can engage with your breath in a way that makes it seem more engaging or entertaining. And then noticing that every breath is very different and appreciating the breath. So if you feel like you can't meditate, one, you're not alone. Two, yes, you can. And three, meditation isn't about clearing the mind completely blank. You know, oh, wow, they must be thinking about nothing for an hour. Right. No, they're definitely, their mind is swinging around. It, like It's usually described as a monkey from branch to branch, just swing to swing to swing to, from thought to thought to thought. And if that's the case, which it, it, it is the case, it's the human brain. The human brain does this. If you are a human, your brain will do it. But um, it's just developing that muscle that you're distracted. Bring it back. It swings to another thought bring it back. That's the practice. The practice is coming back. Practice isn't wiping clean. I like that. It's coming back. Yeah. So going back to the international aspect of you and what you do and who you teach. So you really like to shine a light on, you know, the, the global yoga community. Why is that? Why is that important to you? Thank you. Thank you for asking that. So when I decided I wanted to become a yoga teacher and I decided I wanted to kind of quit the desk job, grab a big backpack and travel around the world teaching and learning. Absolutely. I knew my learning was not over yet. So doing a ton of more trainings and meditation retreats and time spent in ashrams and monasteries, just gathering more information and, and knowledge and wisdom and expertise and anything I could get my hands on. Uh, for me... I knew I never wanted it to be yoga with Lily. I didn't, I, I knew that it, I didn't want it to be all about me. And I think kind of my energy signature, it's not about me. <laughs> I feel like my energy signature really is about empowering others and, or mentorship for others or uplifting others or amplifying the voices of others. It's just, I've always felt so other focused. And while, I mean, I'm grateful for all of my, my own individuality and my own gifts and my own knowledge, I just love, love, love getting to connect with and learn from and celebrate other people. So that's why I knew it would have to be the Wild Yoga Tribe. And I knew that it would also have to be 
international. I love that there is incredible yoga teachers. I am based in the U.S. I moved back a few months ago. I know there's amazing yoga teachers in the U.S. and I don't ever mean to say these yoga teachers aren't special, but they are as special as yoga teachers in Colombia or Kenya or any Russia or Azerbaijan or Moldova. Like those yoga teachers are as worthy and as amazing to learn from. So yeah, that's why international for sure. Yeah. I'm taking 15 people to Kenya in September and we're going to stay at the beach a few days. And I noticed there's a fantastic, like these people have built a kind of a treehouse yoga facility and we're not staying there because there's too many of us, but it looks like a really wonderful place to spend some time. And I never would have realized there was a, a nice yoga studio there. I'm sure there's several that I just haven't run into yet. But. Yeah, what's amazing about Kenya too, Karen, is that it's actually like the hub of yoga in all of the continent of Africa. So yeah. Kenya is home of the Africa Yoga Project, and they train yoga teachers from around the whole continent oh. of Africa. And then they, they provide scholarships and funding and teachers, and they fly in teachers from around the world. And it is amazing nonprofit. If you have a chance to Google it, check into it, maybe connect with them somehow, some way. It's an what amazing. What's their name again? Africa, Africa Yoga Project. Okay. I will do that. I will absolutely do that. Thank you. So, yeah. what are some common misconceptions that that you think everyone has about yoga or meditation or mindfulness that that you want to dispel? Yeah, I think we've covered quite a quite a few of them, which has been great already. But the whole yeah. "I'm not flexible. I can't do yoga." Absolutely. Please come. It doesn't matter how unflexible you are. And especially if you think about it with that one, there's yoga around the world going on with amazing people who are in wheelchairs or who have gone through a car accident or are in recovery. There's so many different types of uh, humans out there with yeah. all of this varying degrees of abilities. And just because we're able-bodied, doesn't mean that yoga is just for us. Thinking that is a little bananas. So if someone who is paralyzed from the waist down, um, if that person can do yoga, absolutely, you can do yoga. If you can't touch your toes, there, there's no reason you can't. And I hope that I'm communicating this in a way that is very celebratory of anyone who is not able-bodied because yoga is for them. Yoga is for us. Yoga is for every human. And yoga only exists in relationship to us. So yoga becomes what we need it to be. It's not like we're forcing ourselves to learn the box of yoga. We're adapting and modifying and integrating yoga so that our body feels like it is, you know, successfully moving and celebrating and breathing or stretching and growing. And you can even do yoga just with your breath. You don't even have to move your body. Uh, you can visualize practices, people who are, par are like completely paralyzed, 100%. And they are whole body casts or, you know, whatever. They have told stories to me on my podcast of doing yoga. Yeah. You know, they, they could not move any part of their body but their eyes. Wow. So that was after a really horrible, horrible car crash. And so luckily that, that teacher was able to make a full recovery and yoga played a large role in that. So right. it's just amazing what yoga can give. And then when it comes to a myth around the meditation, it's that busy mind syndrome. People uh -huh. think, oh, oh, I don't mean to call it a syndrome, actually. Just 
it's people think of it like, oh, my mind's too busy. I just yeah. can't do it. It's so, yeah, again, absolutely you can. You're welcome to. And so just remembering that yoga is for everyone. Meditation is for everyone. There's no barrier to it. There should be no barrier. And if you're finding there's a barrier such as you don't feel like you belong in any of the yoga classes you see in your city, or if you feel like uh, yoga, there's a financial barrier for you and you just can't practice that. Just remember that I think if you are willing to take like one little step of bravery in one little direction, I'm sure that the right teacher or the right opportunity will rise to meet you. Because if there's a financial barrier, reach out to me. Like, what can we do? What, how can I help you? And or reach out to the studio directly you're interested in. Can, there's often a lot of trade opportunities where you can go in for a few hours and help with some cleaning and then receive a free unlimited membership. So there's there are opportunities to kind of figure out how can you how can yoga be for you? And I think the most advanced thing you can do in any yoga class is listen to your body. Mm. So if someone if there's a listener who after we're done talking and they're like, okay, I'm gonna do something right now, is there do you have a tip or anything for what people can can do like just right now, just to start something? Yeah, I mean I think start start number one is just to find a find a resource. So right now, if you wanted to just drop down and you're on the ground next to your chair, and if you wanted to slip into a child's pose, spending three minutes there is going to just be amazing for your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good for your hips, which when we're seated all day long in chairs, our hips are so tight, which creates tension in our glutes and tension in our mm-hmm. legs, and it shortens yeah. our hamstrings and blah, blah, blah. But so try just dropping into a child's pose for a few minutes. But if you only have five minutes, hop on in, Insight Timer. I offer free meditations there, three minute, five minute, 15 minute, whatever you have time to do, just meditate for a few minutes. If you want to hop onto my YouTube, Wild Yoga Tribe, hop on a class, whether you, it's free, it's totally free, it's just YouTube. So do you want to do a 10 minute morning kind of full body stretch? Do you want to do an hour long, you know, joyful heart opening class? Like, what are you interested in and how right. can having one little resource, like, get you started. All right. That, perfect. All right. Well, you just mentioned some of them. So uh, such great information here today. So where can everyone find you? I know you've said it, and of course, it'll be in the show notes. Where can they find you on the internet? Wild Yoga Tribe. So wildyogatribe.com, Wild Yoga Tribe podcast on Apple, Spotify, Alexa, you know, anywhere you want to listen to, it's there. Uh on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, Twitter, you know, if you're basically in a space, you can just find me at Wild Yoga Tribe. And if for some reason it's it's not popping up, my full name's Lily Allen Duenas, and you can always search that or Google Wild Yoga Tribe, everything will pop up. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. All right. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Lily. It's been so fascinating and interesting, and I've learned a lot personally. So I can't wait to start checking out more of these countries that you have on your podcast because, uh, and maybe even go there and work with some of these people one day, one day. So we'll thank you to for me, your Karen. time. We'll figure something out. <laughs> there we go. Thank you for your time today. Thank you, Karen. All right. I hope to connect with everyone later and we'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N Podcast.com. 
There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, Connectedness with Rev Karen. So head over to RevKarenPodcast.com. I hope to see you there.